Hello, and welcome back to His Simple Truth Podcast. My name is Greg Mullins. And I'm Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to be topping, talk, topicking, topicking, <laughs> whatever we're doing. We're, we're topicking about topics. <laughs> Today's topic is very near and dear to my heart. We're going to be talking about Zion today. Um, Hoorah. Really want to drive home today the fact that we are, in fact, building Zion right now. We're not waiting for something to happen to begin that, but this is literally, um, this is the time. So I'm going to start with this quote from Elder Christopherson. He said, this great and last dispensation is building steadily to its climax. Zion on the earth being joined with Zion from above at the Savior's glorious return. The Church of Jesus Christ is commissioned to prepare and is preparing the earth for that day. Um, just looking out at the, the news reels of the past couple weeks, the fires that are happening in Australia, the wars that are now very close to starting again in the Middle East, yeah, right. chaos that's happening all over the world. It's interesting, I think we quoted it in the last podcast, that the events of the second coming would roll in in such a way that many people would sit back and feel like it's business as usual. And I, I laughed this morning, I got a, a message from one of the, a sister and she had sent me a clip from one of President Trump's tweets and in it, it said, all is well. <laughs> Um, oh boy! <laughs> just kind of funny to have that come across from Pontius, right from the top, saying "all is well" as he drops a bomb on the second in command of Iranian <laughs> Iran and kills him. <laughs> but if you cannot look out at the world right now and recognize the signs of the times, recognize that we are literally in the final gathering phase. Um, and what I mean by that is in the parable of the wheat and the tares, um, the wheat is being gathered out. And what that looks like to me is those who have made a choice to listen to the prophet and strive to receive the spirit of revelation um, so that they can hear the voice of the Lord are those taking it to another parable, those wise virgins who have connected their lamps to the oil of the Lord, that have enough oil, that have sufficient, who are actively seeking it. Those who are currently not actively seeking for light, we're watching them descend very quickly. Slip into darkness, slip into accusations, slip into um, doubts and fears and just a lot of dark emotion as they choose to to follow darkness. Um, and then others have been lulled, lulled asleep. Yep. And they're just participating with whatever their drug of choice is, whether that's, you know, whatever it is. We've been through this a hundred times. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, food, power, money, pleasure, all of these different things that people use to... They hear the call of Zion, and they're like, that's scary, I don't know how to do that, so I'm going to use this instead. And they slip into whatever their carnal security is. Yeah. But it is literally time to make a choice and decide to be an active participant in building Zion. Yeah, another quote that I want to share from President Christofferson. He said, first... And crucial for the Lord's return is the pre- is the presence of the earth on it is the presence on the earth of a people preparing to receive Him at His coming. He has stated that those who remain upon the earth today, from the least to the greatest, shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, and they shall see eye to eye, and shall lift up their voice. And with the voice sing together this new song, saying, The Lord hath brought again Zion. The Lord hath gathered all things in one. 
The Lord hath brought down Zion from above. The Lord hath brought up Zion from beneath. In ancient times, God took the righteous city of Zion to himself. By contrast, in the last days, a new Zion will receive the Lord at his return. Zion is the pure in heart, a people of one heart and one mind, dwelling in righteousness with no poor among them. The prophet Joseph Smith stated, We ought to have building up Zion as our greatest objective. We build, build up Zion in our homes, wards, branches, and stakes through unity, godliness, and charity. We must acknowledge that the building up of Zion occurs in tumultuous times. A day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, of lamentation, and as a whirlwind it shall come upon the face of the earth, saith the Lord. Thus, the gathering into stakes becomes for a defense and a refuge from the storm and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. <clears throat> There's a pile of information in that mm -hmm. quote. That's from <clears throat> President Christofferson just a couple conferences ago. We've heard this principle of one heart and one mind and being gathered together for a long time. I want you to just picture in your mind your sphere of influence, your ward, your family, your extended family. Is there a gathering together of one heart and one mind happening for you? Yeah. And what does that look like? So let's just go back to Christofferson again. Uh, that talk, Come to Zion, from him is, is one of my favorites all time ever. And it's especially one of my favorites with regards to Zion. So what does Zion look like? Well, he just said it by quoting scripture. There's three elements to Zion. Becoming of one heart and one mind, to become individually and collectively a holy people, and three, to care for the poverty, care for the poor among us with such effectiveness that we eliminate it. So here's what Christofferson said. Zion is Zion because of the character, attributes, faith, and faithfulness of her citizens. Remember, the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no more no poor among them. And that's from Moses 7:18. If we would establish Zion in our homes, and I would say in our hearts first, but in our homes, hearts, homes, branches, wards, and stakes, we must rise to this standard. It will be necessary to become one, unified in one heart and one mind, two, to become individually and collectively a holy people, and three, to care for the poor and needy with such effectiveness that we eliminate poverty from among us. And this is what I love, which coincides with what he said a minute ago. This, to me, is the whole punchline of his whole talk. I'll give it in a second, but let me back up. Remember how he talked, he quoted that scripture from DNC, I think it's 84, where it says Zion would come from above and from underneath, and then the city would be raised up and prepared to receive the Savior. Well, that's us. We are the Zion from underneath. Like, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints accepting their membership in the Church of the Firstborn and rising up to become who they're supposed to be. And here's the punchline of his whole talk. Of course, then my phone scrolls. Okay, um, here's the punchline. <clears throat> we cannot wait until Zion comes for these things to happen. Zion will come only as they happen. So think about that. I, for a long time in my mind, was like, oh yeah, someday Zion's going to happen. God, the prophet's going to say, okay, time to build Zion. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? I probably would say with a certain amount of surety that every prophet in this dispensation at some point has talked about Zion and building Zion. The requirement never left. But we as a people have yet to figure it out. Well, I am positive and convinced looking around and meeting the people that Greg and I are meeting right now that Zion's here. Mm -hmm. The capacity of people that we are seeing stand up and start embracing their mission, I venture to say has scarcely been on the earth. And when Zion is at its zenith, we will never have had a group of people other than the city of Enoch and probably 300 years after the Savior visited the Nephites, who are living as righteously as the people in Zion will be. And so much so 
that that power that comes from Zion is what binds Satan for a thousand years. Like that is the power, well, it's Christ's power, but the power of the people's hearts turned to God so closely and so aligned with Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, and the Savior's mission of bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man is the power that will bind Satan for a thousand years. And that's what we're doing. And we're watching bonds be broken. Greg and I can't tell you how many times in mentoring calls we'll talk to somebody, we'll help them to embrace further who they are and what their mission is, and then the next time we get on the phone with them, we're like, some bonds got broken. (laughs) Like somebody completely new person it i literally have had to pull my phone away from my head before and look at the name to make sure i'm talking to the same person i talked to four weeks ago or five weeks ago because they're completely different i mean completely different that's what we're talking about and how does that happen for them well we're watching them make a choice and then start acting on what they've been told and they're doing things they've never done before following the spirit they're they're leaving a thousand dollars inside of somebody's door and that person doesn't know they're doing their best to um to bless other people to use priesthood power the fullness of priesthood power to bless other people's lives so you look around your sphere of influence i know as i look around my personal sphere of influence there's a lot of division happening there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, even within my own family group, there's people poking at each other, right? And fighting and and uh, talking bad about somebody behind their back and speaking. pointing fingers and speak, you know, guile. speaking guile. Yep. Within the ward, we can see it. You get this complete division where people are separating from each other rather than coming together as one. And that for a long time perplexed me and caused me to cause me a lot of grief. Like I, I even more than that, like Greg and I have talked about this, but like I've built walls around my heart and my heart is so much bigger than I ever even realized and has so much more capacity than I realized. But in this celestial world we're in, I walled it off to protect it because you try to give it at the level that, I feel like is reflexive for me as somebody who one has heart. always had one heart, one mind and always wanted to be Zion. I've always I've always wanted to be Zion. But I go into relationships with that level of intensity and people's capacity isn't there and then I end up getting hurt and walking away going what just happened? Well, this is the cool thing that's emerging is that we're seeing that that rift among people and then we're seeing a totally separate group of people who have the capacity to give and receive levels of love and power infusing into each other's lives that I didn't think was possible. Like I didn't think it was possible and then I met Greg and we started to level up in that relationship. Um, Watching my, you know, my, some of my family members rise to that, but I didn't think that was possible in this world. And, and then I'm seeing it like it's actually manifesting and that's what's breaking bonds and, you know, and controlling principalities and powers and, and changing people's lives and delivering people. Greg and I, <clears throat> we've seen brothers, I, there's two of them that I'm thinking of in particular, who are heroes of mine, who were hooked on meth and all kinds of other stuff, who all of a sudden just woke up one day and were like, I'm not doing this anymore. And they've always actually had Zion in their hearts, too. And the reason I think that they were so inclined to drugs was to go numb the effects that this world was having on them. And they run to drugs or run to whatever they can to get away from the pain of watching people treat each other the way they do. And now that they've found a group of brothers and sisters to connect with at that level and to start to build Zion in those circles of influence, which are completely separate from the people that they're living amongst, mm-hmm. which should be pointed out. Yep. They've sought these groups out. We have a group of 17 brothers that are in a tight-knit group uh, that we have on a group message, and they're connected like at the most Zion level possible mm-hmm. to include meeting each other's financial needs when necessary, eliminating poverty from among, among us physically and spiritually, 
and a group that we just push each other. Mm-hmm. We just we push the envelope of what we feel like our capacity is, and that's the process of building Zion. <clears throat> yeah, and it's interesting, you know, those two brothers that he was talking about have just recently come online. So yeah, eighteen months is the oldest, and twelve months is the is the younger among the two that have woken up. That's going to start being the norm. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who are listening to this, that you're like, man, there is no one that I can connect with around me. Christofferson said that Zion would be built during tumultuous times. What that's going to do, that tumult, tumult, tumultuous, tumult, tumult. tumult. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> what that's going to do is it's going to start shaking, shaking some people loose, right? People who have been bound down by traditions and different other things that, that, you know, Maybe they felt the call to Zion and they put their heart out there and it got smashed. And so they're like, okay, I'm just going to sit back and do the status quo. Whatever it is, the reality is more and more frequently from here out, we're going to see people that come online. The podcasts have grown exponentially. I was just looking yesterday and there's 56 different countries that the podcasts are being listened into. We're not promoting that. We're not trying to promote people looking at it and listening to it that's you sharing it word of mouth getting it out to different people um and that is how zion is built each one of us has to be willing to go out there with our heart open and look for other people who have open hearts and start to teach them and help them to see and understand that the traditional world that we've been bound in is not zion it's not how it will be built. We have to figure out how to come together as one heart. And that means literally putting our heart out there and connecting it to another individual, which physically happens. Mm-hmm. There is, <clears throat> I don't want to get too deep into collective consciousness and all of that, but the reality is that everything on this earth functions in energy. And when you go like on a Facebook group and that group is negative, the entire consciousness of everybody that's participating in that conversation is coming together as one and you'll feed off each other. And that darkness will grow and become stronger and stronger and stronger. I've seen it so many times where finally somebody has to say, I need to just stop this. Well, the same is true about the light side. As we unite and come together as one in Christ, that light consciousness grows and the whole group grows together. That group of 17 brothers that he was talking about is so powerful. We'll have people that we're mentoring that are like, they'll shoot me a text and be like, Greg, I'm getting hammered right now. And I'll just send over their name and a real brief Uh, what's happening to that group of 17 brothers and then they go to work and we have seen miracles happen over and over and over again there's so much power and light and love that happens in that group there's a sisters group that operates similarly uh, that my wife has worked with and same thing like they're and a lot of the times the names the same name ends up in both groups and then super powerful stuff happens because you got sisters using their faith and priesthood and brothers using their faith and priesthood and people are delivered. It's amazing to watch the Lord's hand as he uses us as instruments for him to do his work because the reality, like Christofferson said, we as a people are preparing the earth for him to come. He has to know that we're here and we want him. (laughs) that we actually want to receive him. And in order to prove that, we have to let go of the telestial world. Yep. The things of this world are not things of the terrestrial world. They are not things of Christ. And we have to get to a place where we can let go of jealousies and and judgment and accusations and Drama. drama and... All of the things that you can walk into relief side of your priesthood and participate in <laughs> currently. I mean, that's a sad reality, but it's true. So much backbiting. We, we look at each other's weaknesses rather than each other's strengths. 
And in order to protect ourselves from other people's weaknesses, we step back and we don't participate because we don't want to get hurt. But until we can figure out how to cross the bridge in our minds that we have to be able to look at each other's strengths and reach out to each other and not be jealous because somebody has a strength that's different than ours, but rejoice in that strength and add it to yourself, become one with that person. That's why the Lord, when he gave gifts, these good gifts of the spirit, we get different ones so that we have a reason to come together to be one with each other. And, and this period of time, I like the scripture in DNC eighty two fourteen. It says Zion must increase in her beauty and holiness. Her borders must be enlarged. Her strengths, her stakes must be strengthened. Yea, verily I say unto you, Zion must arise and put on her beautiful garments. It's time to to go to father, go to mother, go to the Lord, and say I'm ready to have my garments, my celestial garments again. Like I'm ready to, to enter the church of the firstborn or figure out where the door is. Elder Maxwell, or I love it. Figure out what it is, that you need what to it do. actually is, yep. that it actually exists. What you need to do to put on, what, what sacrifice you need to put on the altar to finish off the telestial world in your heart. I don't know. But I, I love Elder Maxwell. He said there's so many people in the church who are content to sit in the outer courtyard and chew on old bones instead of coming inside to partake in the, in the resplendent revelatory banquet. That, that revelatory banquet is what Zion is. Like you learn who you are and who other people are. And then you see it. You're seen as you're, as you are seen by Christ. You see other people as they are seen you recognize each other from the past in ways that I can't even discuss. To be completely frank with you, the things that we're receiving and seeing and witnessing really shouldn't even be discussed openly on a podcast like because we're seeing miracles take place where connections are happening among the people of Zion to connect them based on covenants that they made with each other pre-mortally <clears throat> Elder Iring said this increased faith to sustain each other is the way we build Zion the Lord wants the build Zion the Lord wants us to create with his help we can and will it will take learning to love the Lord with all our heart might mind and strength and to love each other as we love ourselves as we grow in that pure love of Christ our hearts soften that love will humble us and lead us to repent. Our confidence in the Lord and each other will grow. And then we will move towards becoming one as the Lord promises, promises as we can. All of this comes back to charity, to pure love, to love that doesn't judge, that doesn't, it isn't conditional based upon a transaction. You, you love me and then I'll love you. Pure charity is that perfect love where you, you don't get hung up in celestial weakness. You don't get hung up in, um, in judging other people. Now, obviously, there's some evil people and some of you are in relationships that are super hard because of the evilness of those individuals. You're not required to sit and take it. That's not what I'm getting at. Um, I'm talking more about looking at another individual that maybe they have a gift to sing beautifully and you're like, well, I don't have that gift, so. God, I just, I have so many discussions with people like, well, I don't know the scriptures very well and I'm thinking to myself, good. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, good. This guy, uh, he does motivational stuff online. He's a prior special forces guy. And his troops used to come to him all the time. And they'd be like, well, this and this and this happened. And he's like, good, right? It's bad things. Or they perceive bad things. He's like, good. That's what I'm saying. Good that you don't know the scriptures. Because guess what? That's a blessing. You're less inclined to be pharisaical and think you understand it all. 
I've been in do gospel doctrine classes with teachers who teach things, and they stand up and they act like they won't know more than Paul, who wrote it, about what was happening. It has nothing to do with the people there. So if you're the kind of person that has this ability to connect with people's hearts, and you've always been that way, and then you feel like, why does this world take my heart, shred it, jump on it, and throw it in the mud? Well, that's, that's an indication of who you are. And recognize, too, that that there are individuals who who gravitate towards like a good example for me is is Avram Gileadi. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful that he his brain works the way it does that he can connect to Isaiah and then translate it for me in a way that I could understand it because right. that's just not possible for me. Yeah, but we also know his heart. Well, because we have interactions with him, and he wants to be Zion. Yeah. So what he's I, taking that gift, right, and he's using it. Yep. And that's what I'm getting at is I don't, I'm not jealous that he's a better Isaiah scriptorian than I am. No, I'm grateful I'm he's super in my grateful. life. <laughs> yeah, because without that, I don't know how I could understand those things. And so when you look at another individual and you're like, man, <clears throat> the, the adversary gets in your head and says you're less than that person because you don't have what they have. I guarantee you, you have something that they need. Mm -hmm. And if you can connect to that individual on a Zion level, which means one heart, and begin to, so in Elder Irene's quote there, he said that to love other people as we love ourselves, that's the first step. You have to learn to see yourself as God sees you. Recognize what your strengths are and focus on those strengths the weaknesses will be fulfilled or eliminated as you become one with other people who have strengths where you're weak. They'll help to make you strong where you're weak. That's the whole point of Zion is that we have to learn to be able to rely on each other and come together or we can never get the earth ready for the Savior because the Savior is pure love. He has to come to a place where the people's hearts are full of pure love. Charity. Yep. I just stumbled across this right as Greg was saying that, so it's fortuitous. This is Joseph Smith. He said, I do not dwell upon your faults, and you shall not dwell upon mine. Charity, which is, the, which is love, covereth a multitude of sins, and I have often covered up all the faults among you. But the prettiest thing is to have no faults at all. <clears throat> we should cultivate a meek and quiet and peaceable spirit. Have the Presbyterians any truth? Yes. Have the Baptists, Methodists, and any other have truth? Yes. They all have a little truth mixed with error. We should gather together all true principles in the world and treasure them up, or we shall not come out true Mormons or members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, or members of the church of the firstborn. So that whole con that's another thing that's probably really been weighing on me lately <clears throat> is watching people come awake, right? And they get so entrenched in thinking that their view of of how things operate or are is the only way mm -hmm. that they don't allow truth to come to them from other sources, maybe something that they feel like is inferior to them or somebody. And Elder Bednar said True humility and meekness looks like being able to be taught by the weakest among you. Yeah. And recognize that the Lord teaches you something and you feel a confirmation of the Spirit. That does not mean that that truth that you just received is the right truth for the next guy or that it will be taught in the same manner. Or that it's absolute truth, bulletproof, here it is, I found it, this is the Holy Grail. Yep. You get to that place where you start thinking you got it figured out, I promise you you're going to get wrecked because <laughs> we're barely entering into terrestrial doctrine, let alone celestial doctrine. Mm -hmm. And those everything's going to be built upon it. And if you get stuck with the, um, I don't know, I was trying to think of a mosaic law. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but that's the perfect example because... Because we started essentially with the with the law of Moses. Well, Adam got an a eye law. for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Right. Adam got a law. Then Moses received more of the law, and then Christ comes to fulfill the law, 
and give a new law. We think that that's over, brothers and sisters? I promise you it's not. President Nelson said it a hundred times that the restoration is is still happening right now. Yeah. And if we're entrenched in what we think we know, the Lord will let us stay there because of agency. And what happens is is that your doors get blown off and you realize, like, how is that person growing so fast and doing all these things? And I've known them forever. And it's because we become entrenched in what we think we know so much so that we're not willing to receive the next thing the Lord's handing us because we're like, oh, no, I have enough Bible. I don't need any more Bible. Yeah. Recognize that different individuals have different truths based upon their current knowledge level. So something that is true for one individual may not be true for another based upon their agency and their knowledge of where they're at and what they understand. And be okay to let people be where they are because maybe the Lord has a mission for them in that place where they're at. And they're supposed to touch somebody else that they couldn't have if they were operating in a different mode of operation. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but basically we all have different work to do and we can't just go around. Being of one heart does not mean that we're trying to make everybody be just like us. No. Tyson and I are a good example of that. He's the firebrand, I'm the calculator, right? Yeah. If I tried to make Tyson's brain work like my brain works, he'd go crazy. I'll punch you in the face, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We will be anti-Zion. But if I had to get in Tyson's brain, I would go insane. <laughs> just wouldn't <Squirt>. work. <laughs> and that, the thing is, we come together and we're one heart in that we're doing the Lord's work. We're, we're learning to... We're learning what each other's strengths are, and we're fulfilling each other's weaknesses. Our standard joke is if if I was Joshua and and Greg was Caleb, if we did what Caleb wanted, we'd probably still be sitting there waiting to enter, right? But if we did what Joshua wanted, we would have gotten destroyed in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, Greg and I are that yin and yang for each other where he's like, hey, slow down. And I'm like, okay, you've sat around long enough. Let's go, <laughs> you know, and we have to have that. You're going to learn that those are dynamic relationships. They're supposed to be that way. Yep. And rather than sit there and go, well, that person's wrong. Why don't you go, what about what they're doing is right? Yep. What am I, what am I supposed to learn in this relationship? What can I take from them? Right. And, and what can, can I give back? Yep. Another way to look at it would be my, my role Let's say we're going we're going down a path to a destination and Tyson's like out front sprinting and I'm like walking down the trail checking for traps and whatnot. And I'm going slow enough that I end up in quicksand. Mm. <laughs> he has to come back and pull me out. But he's going so fast, I see the cliff that he doesn't see and I stop him from going over the cliff. Yep. Right? There neither of us is wrong. But the closer we can get to coming together, the more effective we're going to be, which is what, is, what Zion's all about, is us coming together and helping, helping, because the reality is, as a telestial being, you're not complete. You're not a whole, right? A lot of times our relationships with our spouses are that way, where one, one has one mode of operation and another has the opposite. I finally understood that scripture that talks about diversity of operations. I always like, what the heck does that even mean? And then I'm like, oh, and it's not diversity of operations as in one is bad and the other is good or one is right, the other is wrong. It's different ways of operating, which, oh, that sounds weird. That sounds like God honoring the plan of agency and honoring people's inherent characteristics of the way their personality operates, the way they learn, the way they understand. Mm -hmm. When we get to heaven, this is not... Heavenly Father is not, if he has a brother, which I assume he does, he's not exactly like his brother. Mm -hmm. Like those gods at that level of the Elohim are not identical in the way that they do every single thing. Because if that's the case, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be a drone at the highest level being, you know what I mean? I want to be still an individual and operate with the diversity of operations and how I do things and have it be okay. Yep. And that's what I think I finally broke free of was this understanding or thought process that we eventually 
capitulate to the point where our, our own identity goes away. And that's true in one sense that we become like father and mother and the savior in characteristic, but we're still a separate being with our own, you know, our own way of operating and it's honored by the plan of agency because we're operating within the bounds that have been set by eternal law yeah. in that eternal world. Such a beautiful principle. I remember thinking in my younger days, like, I don't want to be part of this drone program where <laughs> right. we're supposed to fit into this cookie cutter and this is how this is how it is. I promise you, I testify to you that that is not how the Lord operates with us. So many of these mentoring appointments... When I go into a mentoring appointment, I turn my own brain off mm -hmm. and I just let the Lord speak through me to people, through the Spirit. And so many beautiful truths that come across in so many different ways so that different individuals can understand it the way their brain works, the way their mind and their soul works and the way they want to receive it. And the Lord honors that agency every time. Like you got to get yourself out of the way and, and connect to that eternal source. Cause only the Lord knows the true heart of the individual and what they're feeling and believing. And, you know, you may run across a, a guy that's tattooed upside down and back and has horrible language and whatnot, but he's closer to the Lord than 90% of the planet. And the Lord loves that guy. Yep. I guarantee you, he loves him. Oh, you can talk about rough around the edges. Some of the Lord's favorite people were rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. um, Porter Rockbell being one of those. I mean, you look at Joseph Smith, trusted inherently at the deepest level, very few people in his life because he had to survive mm -hmm. in a world that wanted to kill him, literally. Yeah. And Porter Rockwell is one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Rough, tough, gunslinger saying things like, I ain't never killed nobody that didn't need killing. I mean, yeah. that's Porter Rockwell. And yet I felt the Lord's love for him mm -hmm. because of his heart was his heart was pure yep. and anything he ever did, he did with pure intent mm -hmm. to, to do the work of the Lord, even though he was rough around the edges. I mean, Jay Golden Kimball, like the, the curse, what do they call him? The swearing apostle. Cursing apostle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was a 70, but just those kind of, so Again, we have to like break free of these constraints, these traditions, the culturalism of viewing what power looks like. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you that I've been connected at a deeper level with some of the most rough people in the military that you could ever meet because their hearts are pure. I mean, I'm talking about my buddy Van who's got sleeve tattoos going up both arms and just a warrior to the T and yet sat with him in some tender moments while he talked about holding one of his troops that bled out. And like, he's raw and he's a real person. And he's the kind of guy that anybody could have a conversation with. You're going to hear a few F-bombs when you're talking to him, but that's all right because that's how he operates. And rather than withdraw from that because <clears throat> I'm so afraid of... You know, of, doesn't fit in the box. He doesn't fit in this pretty box, and disregard one of the most powerful beings I've ever met. I just sat with him and connected with him, and and being in treatment when I was there for a year or for a month, and felt like a year, uh, <laughs> and being in a room where raw people were at their most raw level, they they threw off all the facades. People were willing, I mean, we're talking about battle-hardened guys and one gal who've been through a ton of trauma, just willing to sit there and talk about it in its rawest form. I was sitting there angry, to be honest, and you know why I was angry? Because I've never been in elders quorum that's like that in my life. That's frustrating to me. A group of men who have the fullness of the priesthood, access to the fullness of the priesthood, access to the fullness of God's power, who can't drop the charades for an hour a week to be real and raw. And you know what happened? The one or two times that actually happened, somebody just couldn't help themselves, had to go outside of that environment and talk about it and leave important pieces out. And it ended up being disruptive because a brother was sharing his heart and that got construed his, as him bad-mouthing his wife, which is not what happened. That's 
what frustrates me and and yet again back to the positive and the good i'm watching people put on their beautiful garments mm -hmm. and stand up and be that this is the key call right now coming from the prophet is repentance and i love i love 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 that he's changed that word at least in my mind and i think it should be in everybody's mind to change being willing to change that's what repentance is Right now, as we go through this final sifting and transition, you have to be willing to let people repent and change. You have to be willing to repent and change yourself and recognize that the mode of operation that has been the norm for so many years on this planet is changing right now. You can no longer sit back and hold a grudge against another individual for, for anything. If you want to walk into Zion, it's one heart, one mind, and that heart connected to Christ, mind connected to Christ. Christ is not holding that same grudge, I promise. And I know it's hard, and I know that there's a lot of grief and struggle that has to happen as we go through that forgiving process. But if you're holding on to something about anybody right now, you are blocking yourself from receiving a fullness. You have to give it all to Christ. Shout out to a couple of sisters, Wendy and Emma, who have taught me a concept that completely smashed tradition in my mind. And what they taught me was is that it's our job to hold space for other people so that they can have a safe space in order to process through the traumas that they've been through in the world, the, their misunderstandings, the things that they are working through, to just be a safe space for somebody else. Even if, even if how they're processing it when you first are listening to them feels like chaos and disorder and you're like, oh, I don't want to have part of that. Hold that space. That's what the Savior does for us. And that's what he's asking us to do in order to be Zion is participate in the plan of salvation by by helping by holding space open that is safe enough for somebody to be raw and sit and cry in front of you and go I've been through all these terrible things I'm just trying to make sense of them I'm trying to understand why I signed up for this or why I designed it into my existence and hold that space and that's what we talk about that's what I'm talking about and Greg's talking about when we're saying allow your heart to connect with them for them to sit in that space I remember when Van was was going on and talking about these traumas that he had of holding this troop bleeding out in Iraq and and losing this troop, who he, the whole time he's holding this troop is bleeding out, he's remembering this troop's wife standing there begging him to make sure that this troop came home, right? So he's got this deeply embedded trauma. And I remember holding space, I'm sitting next to him and this is when I learned that concept, even though I didn't have words to articulate what I was doing. And I just had this feeling like I needed to reach over and just put my hand on his shoulder. And I did. And that just that gesture opened up the whole room and opened up the whole space for that to be a safe space in order for almost everyone that was in that PTSD group to have similar experiences where they would sit and weep and cry and process through the things that they've experienced which are traumatizing and have brothers and sisters like people slide their chairs from, they've just felt they needed to from across the room maybe I wasn't connecting as much with with one of my brothers or sister in that room who was, who was going through that but they were and they would literally pick up they would get out of their chair in this circle that we were sitting in which was super sacred and move their chair across the room and sit next to that person and hold their hand. Imagine that. We're talking about combat veterans who've seen and done terrible things. And honestly, they grapple with why. And I agree with why, right? With that question of why. And yet they're at their rawest form. They move a chair across two machismo dudes who've who are men's men when you google man they are all that is man and yet they move their chairs across the room and they're holding hands with another dude who's just hurting 
and holding space for them and then standing up and, and hugging each other, sobbing for minutes on end at the end of a session and telling each other, I love you. And we're still in contact. I talked to two of them this week. A year later, a Zion group, not even members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but who know what it means to give your all, almost give your all physically, and then bear each other's burdens that they might be light and check in with each other and love on each other. And hey, I'm reaching out to you. I feel like I needed to. God told me I needed to. Like that happened in an exchange this week. I'm so glad you reached out. I'm doing good, but I've been thinking about taking another drink. Whatever the case is, that's what's happening. That's Zion. That's the that's what the ministering program is supposed to be. Is that ability to let the Lord direct us on who needs what and, and when and when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that was in my heart, and I, I know multiple other people that I've mentored, is we worry about putting our heart out there because we don't want it to get hurt. We don't want people to take advantage of it. And unfortunately, that's just going to be a reality of the celestial world. And so in order to in order to be able to do that, you have to connect to Christ's heart so that when somebody does try and take advantage, you just slide that off to the Lord and he, he compensates you for it. He takes care of it. He allow, he puts it in a space where you don't have to feel it. Um, because you're doing it for him, with him, he, he bears that burden for you. So if that's something that's in your mind, you're worried about, recognize that there is a way to connect with the Savior where he will protect your heart for you. You don't have to put up a wall that blocks people and shuts them down. He'll take that burden for you as you're willing to go out there and act in his name to to help those who need help who don't know how yet to treat you properly or to accept what you're offering them. And he'll also, this has been cool. I was just talking about this this morning, how he's taught me how to how to uh, control my heart valve to allow enough flow. Cause here's the thing. If you're a Zion person, Zion at heart always have been, always will be. Now you're excited and pumped because Greg and I are talking about creating Zion and, and maybe even you already are connected with people that are Zion. It's not fair for you to expect and it's just not practical or safe for you to expect that you can pour out your highest intensity of love on everyone you meet those people are only depending on where people are on Jacob's ladder there's a commensurate level of love they're able to receive and charity that they're able to receive you got to understand that and the only way to know how much they can receive is discernment and the spirit and the savior and he'll tell you how much to give them and how much they can receive and then you won't overwhelm them but you'll also help them to level up and and ratchet up the, you know, to the next level of where they need to attain because you help to fill their, you know, their cup just to the brim or, you know, just below the brim to give them enough strength to keep going. But you can't, the Savior had to do that with the apostles. It took him three years and plus coming back after he was dead to help them level up to the level of commitment of heart that they needed in order to carry on the kingdom. So that's, I've talked, I've been spending time with the Lord talking to him and trying to understand how he did that. And he told me it was a, it was a task. Like that's the task he had to take to hand. It had nothing to do. Okay. So doctrine was important. The things he taught them in doctrine was important, but what solidified the doctrine was Christ living the doctrine. Well, doctrine, all doctrine is, is a path to light. Yeah. That's all doctrine is. True doctrine can be recognized because it will lead to receiving light from the Lord. And that's just a really easy way to look at it. So yes, the doctrine's critical, but the doctrine's purpose is to lead to Christ. Yep. Light. yep. And he spent three years with the apostles teaching them that because they had tons of traditions they had to let go of in order to receive the new law. And then they had to have this time of practical 
application among each other. I mean, there was contention among them. He he came back down from from the mount from Mount Sinai, I think, or wherever he was at. Uh, and they're arguing about a failed blessing, and there's a tax that needs to be paid. And he said, you can see and feel his frustration. He's like, oh, faithless generation, how long must I suffer you? And yet, did he give up and quit on those apostles? No. He kept loving them anyway. Mm-hmm. And eventually they got there. He rebuked him with sharpness in that moment, but then showed that outpouring of love. Mm-hmm. Like, those brethren knew that the Lord loved them. Which is why he rebuked them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there will be times when we have to offer a rebuke to somebody to snap them out of a path that they're going down. And that's perfectly okay as long as it's done by the Spirit, with the Spirit, under the direction of the Lord. And at that point, he can give you, help you with that outpouring of love that's required afterwards so that that person can progress and not just falter under the, the rebuke. So that brings up a really important thing that I feel like I wanted to talk about. And this is a, it's another thing that I've been grappling with with relationships. So there, we can be independent beings and operate independent of other people. And that's how Greg and I have often said we could be completely happy to have a cottage for ourselves on the other opposite ends of a huge mountain range that we could, it would take like a day to walk to see each other and be completely content, just be by ourselves, hermitized, independent. We kind of say that, but the reality is it's not true. I say that. He doesn't believe that. (laughs) He would go crazy without people. I'd be the one that'd be okay. (laughs) I'd honestly probably be okay, though. Like, the, the more independent I've gotten, which is... I used to not be that way at all, but now there are seriously times where I just want to go hide for a long period of time, and I, I would be content. Um, Greg is Greg is definitely more hardwired that way. I would be probably the one um, using my bugle across the mountain range to be like, <laughs> the, the signal, signal mirror, like, right, hey, signal what fire. you doing over there? Right, Greg, are you alive? <laughs> and he's like, I'm not looking your direction or listening. Tyson, I'm fishing. I put in my earplugs. <laughs> So that would be independence. And then then on the flip side of independence, you have codependence. So codependency is a behavioral condition in which, uh, in, in a relationship where one person enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or, or underachievement. And there's a lot of people that end up in codependent relationships. In fact, this comes up all the time in mentoring where somebody's like, well, I'm moving along, but my husband or my wife or my family members or my children or my blah, 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 blah. That's codependent. If you're frustrated and not moving forward because other people around you aren't moving forward, you're codependent. You're stuck because you're being de- your success is being undermined because you're attached to what you feel like other people should be doing. So the I, the middle ground is interdependence, which is the dependence of two or more people or things on each other. Not they still independently can operate on their own, but it maybe Greg and I are living on opposite sides of that mountain range and I'm a hunter and he's a fisher. So I bring him pelts and he brings me he bring and he trades me fish for my dogs for the winter. Smoked salmon. Smoked salmon for, for, for my dogs for the winter time so my dogs can eat and you know what I mean? No, the dogs don't get to eat the salmon. No, they you're killing my analogy. They get the fish in. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. Whatever you give me to feed my dogs. And I give you some jerky and you give me some fish. There you go. Or whatever, and some fur. I give you some fur. You're giving me a lot more fish than I'm giving you fur and meat, that's for sure. Anyways. So that's interdependence. Although I could survive without Greg, and Greg could learn to adapt and go kill, you know, go go be a hunter. But we're independent, but have an interdependent relationship in that circumstance where where we need each other to enhance our lives, but we don't need each other to survive. It's probably the best way to put it. So translate that into our lives. We... 
the codependency would be you making decisions on what to do with what the prophet's telling you based upon what somebody else is telling you you should or shouldn't do. <laughs> Keep running into this all the time. Independence would be you sitting on the sideline watching it all happen and saying, I'm good, hope everybody catches up eventually. Interdependence would be you getting yourself right with the Lord first and seeing yourself as he sees you and then offering what you have to help somebody else who's in that same mode. So that's what we're trying to get to, to be a Zion people, is to be that interdependent, where we all are connected to each other first, first to Christ, and then to each other, in helping each other grow and progress. So we have an exciting announcement that we wanted to talk about. So for quite a while now, the Lord has been prompting both Tyson and I to, to help facilitate the, this, this unity, this combining, um, coming together. And so we, starting in the month of February, are going to start doing seminars. Um, and we did, a, we did a couple already, gathering the gatherer seminars. We did one in Salt Lake and we did one in Tri-Cities. Um, and they were amazing. A lot of people made connections in those seminars that are just flourishing today. Um, that have just uh, allowed those individuals as they connected to, to obtain a higher level. Um, so starting in February, February 21st and 22nd, we will be in the Arizona area, probably closer to Mesa, but we don't have that, the actual place locked down for sure yet. Those of you who are in that area, um, starting tomorrow on Tuesday, you will be able to go on to the website and, and grab a ticket for that event. Um, please feel free to reach out to us if you have an idea of a venue that you think might be a good fit for us. We don't know anything about what's going down there. Um, so that, uh, that date is set in stone for Arizona. That will be happening. So you'll be able to get online and book a ticket for that shortly. The next one in March will probably be in Missouri around the 13th and 14th. And then in April, we'll be in Utah probably around the 17th and 18th, and that will be in the Salt Lake area. And then in May, around the 8th and 9th, we'll be in the Rexburg area. So each week as we do podcasts, we'll lock those other dates in and get them set up on the website so you can start booking for those as well. Um, but just know that those are coming and the purpose of these will be for you to be able to come together and meet each other and get to know people who are of one heart and one mind already. And it's as been awesome. We've done those, just a couple of events, and still watching the fruits of those relationships, of people coming together to be Zion in those environments has been amazing to Amazing, watch. yep. Really, really exciting to see that happen. So, <clears throat> again, look for that um, to come live on the website tomorrow. Um, and... Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, for <laughs> Israel. Here we go. Like one more step in helping to to really rise up as Zion people, and to move the the Lord's work forward and prepare people for the Lord, so that he he has a reason to come back. Because I don't know about you, but I really want him to come back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll never forget one time my troops were sitting around talking about all the policy changes in the military. These are senior leaders within my organization and how things have been changed in a lot of not good ways and, and we're dampening the effectiveness of us helping our troops to progress and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, sir, how does this get fixed? What do we need to do to fix this? Who do we need to talk to? What do we? And I, I just looked at them and I'm like, do you want my real answer? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, Jesus comes back. That's how this gets fixed. <laughs> and they're like, they all looked at me kind of dumbfounded. And then one of my troops, it's a pretty strong Christian, is like, Roger that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Jesus is coming back. And 
we're supposed to build Zion, which is what this whole podcast has been about. And Greg and I are super stoked to get on the road and come out and meet all of you. We've been in contact with quite a few of you, I'm sure, that will show up to the to that event. But and just Greg's always the one that gives the shout out. But I just want to express our gratitude again for everybody who has donated time, energy. Uh, and prayers as well as resources and just a shout out again to consider that maybe that's a first step for Zion for you is is to throw a donation our way or offer up something that you can do to help us we've had I've had two people this last week come to me and say hey I want to do this I actually need to talk to you about that when we're done <laughs> um, to help us out with just kind of the administrivia as this as this adventure the Lord put Greg and I on expands and grows and starts to include more people and more elements, um, those resources get stretched thinner and thinner. And so if you can if you can go to the Lord and he gives you uh, something you can do, either time, energy, or resources, we are definitely appreciative. So, um, yeah, hoorah for Israel, and uh, let's get this thing done. Gospel's true. God loves you. God be with God be with you until we meet again.